Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast and become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows featuring guests sharing stories about growing up in a haunted house that was possessed by an evil presence, a nightmarish encounter with a UFO in the dead of night, and the financial horror stories from those who won the lottery and lived to regret it. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to hear these programs and many more truly thought-provoking shows from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. We are back and we are talking here with Mark Sargent on Coast to Coast AM. Connie Willis here talking about Flat Earth and Antarctica. Mark, so I'm just trying to get the visual again. So the Earth is flat. There's edges. Uh, it doesn't go very deep. Uh, there is kind of uh, an enclosure uh, above us. Um, are we flow? Are we in orbit? As are we going around the sun and the moon, or are we floating in some like a bubble no, on top of the water? <laughs> no, no. It's easier. It's easier to even think of that. Think of it like, I mean. Think of us like a terrarium on top of God's desk. So we are in a completely enclosed system, and I know the visuals are going to be a little tough on radio, but I'll try. Uh, think of the Earth, if, if you took a globe and you put your hand on the North Pole and you squashed it. So the North Pole is at the center of the dinner plate, so it's as flat as the dinner plate. And all the other continents kind of splay out and look pretty much like they do now on a globe. The only exception would be Antarctica. Antarctica wouldn't and can't be this island continent sort of like Australia, and they're actually pretty similar in size. Antarctica would fit around the entire edge like uh, a giant ice continent. And I know some people are fond of saying the ice wall, you know, the whole Game of Thrones type thing. But it is kind of similar. I mean, yeah, the Game of Thrones one was much taller, but the Antarctic continent is like that. I mean, again, it's a 200-foot sheer wall of ice right off, you know, from the water. And then the whole, most of the continent is at least two miles up in, in altitude. It's plateau. It's, it's, it's an amazing continent. And then you have, you know, a dome-like structure over the top of it, a firmament made out of, and I'm using the biblical term firmament, but, you know, a dome made out of, I don't know, uh, heavy elements, heavy water, high frequency, electromagnetic field. Uh, take your pick. I don't think it's glass, but that's, that's what we're covered with. And it's fairly shallow by comparison. That's why I like using the sports stadium as a, com- as a, as a comparison, because a sports stadium, you know, is very, very wide, but it doesn't have to be very high. That sort of kind of helps. Right. No, no, no. So, and and how, is there a way that we can prove it to ourselves? I mean, you know, people would say, hey, we've been out to space, we've been on the moon. How can you say, you know, have, have this is we how now? we can prove it? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, by the <laughs> way. And, and the sun and the moon would be inside. So, I, Oh, it would be. Okay. Yeah, the sun and the moon would be inside. No different than a planetarium. And I know it dates me because, you know, I used to go to planetariums back in the day. You know, the planetariums are the place most kids wouldn't know what they were. On the I weekends, think they're cool. You would, they would do things like laser Pink Floyd and laser yeah. Zeppelin. Yeah. Or you'd lay on your back and they'd crank up. And, and these are the same <laughs> display systems that would display stars on a weekday yeah. would do lasers at Led Zeppelin on a, on a weekend. And, I mean, it's the same system. You can project anything you want to, up there on the sky. Stars, comets, the moon. We can do in planetariums now just about anything you can think of in the nighttime sky. 
So the sun and the moon are inside the structure or, at, at worst case, just outside the structure with us, kind of spinning around like a yin-yang symbol, you know, where the, you, everyone knows the yin-yang symbol, you know, it's uh, you know, the sun and the moon type thing, kind of spinning around the, the top of us. Very, very small, very, very close. Human beings are notoriously bad at, at determining size and perspective. So the sun isn't 93 million miles away and the moon isn't 237,000 miles away. They're almost the same size, and that's why the eclipse work the way they do. People know it's like, hey, the moon fits right in front of the sun, and we've always thought, oh, what a great coincidence. It's like, yeah, it's a coincidence. The moon is 400 times more narrow than the sun, and it's 400, exactly 400 times closer. Oh, that does work out, doesn't it? It's not a coincidence. It's, it's all part of the same system. Well, so, I've seen the space shuttle go up. I don't know, maybe 10, 12 no, no, times. No, where do they go? Where? What's going on? Where? Where? What's happening? To use the Tom Cruise line from Mission Impossible, it's worse than you know. It's, it's not, <laughs> I'm not just saying that NASA uh, faked all, all the missions and every space agency fakes missions. I'm saying that the only reason NASA was created in the first place was to keep this thing under wraps. So the rockets are built, and, and people say, oh, no, it can't be. You're talking about every person uh, that's ever worked in, in a NASA factory or any one of the other space agencies. They've got to be in on it. It's like, no, 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 no. The only, if you're 99.99% of anybody in the space program uh, aren't in on it at all. Ignorance is bliss, and if you compartmentalize everything, it works out really, really well. The only people that have to know are the telemetry guys, a.k.a. the Capricorn One movie scenario where all the wrench turners, everyone that builds the rockets, hey, that's great. The astronauts don't go on top of the rockets. They just ditch them in the ocean somewhere, which is why when you look at the time-lapse thing of the rockets, they never go straight up. They go almost horizontal within the first 100 miles. Well, that's and true. They do. If, you're, yeah. if you're looking for escape velocity, you got to go up. You don't go horizontal. It's, that's not the way it goes. And that's, that's how it's worked so far. It's been, it's been a great kept secret for a long time. Um, let me throw a quick stat out for you. The, once Antarctica, the, once everything started happening in Antarctica, the first thing men would do, you know, that's, this is what men do, is try to punch through it. Look up high-altitude nuclear testing from 1958 to 1962, when the United States and the Russians, for four years, all they did was fire atomic weapons straight up. All they did. They didn't do ground tests, they didn't water tests, they just did air tests for four years. After the third shot, in 1958, NASA was formed. So after the first three shots, which were all heavy megaton shots, you know, two and three megatons, which was hard to come by in the late, late 1950s, NASA was formed because that's what you would do. You would militarize space, and you would make sure that private companies were delayed as long as possible from going up there. And then in 1959, NASA announced the Van Allen radiation belts, which was a little bit of a, a giveaway. It just says, oh, yeah, the Van Allen radiation belt's super, super deadly. No one should ever go up there. The same year that Antarctic Treaty was put into place. No coincidences. You seal off the upper edge and the outer edge simultaneously, one quietly, one publicly, because most people don't want to go in Antarctica anyway. But that also keeps the private companies, the big companies. Remember, because NASA is just accumulation of parts from the big military contractors like Boeing and General Dynamics and Lockheed Martin and those guys. You don't want those companies teaming up and saying, oh, we're going to do our own space program, because sooner or later, you've got to take the picture, which is also another thing. I know I'm jumping around a bit. There's a lot to cover and not a ton of time, which is why did it take them so long? If NASA was founded in 1958, why did they wait all the way until 1972 to take the first blue marble shot? 
it was literally the last mission, Apollo 17. What happened to Apollo 8 through Apollo 16? They had gone to the moon and back six times, and they wait till literally the last mission, and they already knew in advance it was the last mission, on the way home to take that first picture. And then they waited 43 years. That's two generations between pictures. And they only asked because our group told them. Like, look, where's the pictures? Where's the videos uh, of the Earth rotating on its axis with the weather morphing? Where is any picture of any astronaut, any video of any astronaut outside a space capsule turning 180 degrees or further? Where, where are all these things? They're not there. We've leaned, people automatically lean on the space programs and say, we, you know, well, we, I can prove that it's a globe through the space programs. Really try. Spend some time looking through the NASA archives. We fill in the gaps with science fiction. We fill in the gaps with movies that we've done from the 50s up until now. Most notably, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick. That's how it started off, which was released a year before Apollo. It is just amazing the chain of events that has happened between then and now. It's, uh, it's, well, it's funny. It's, it's funny how. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's funny that, you know, when you say, hey, why don't we have these pictures where. You know, they show everything, you know, the 360 degrees, where a lot of people would say, oh, it's because there's UFOs looking at them from the back. And you're saying, no, it's because it's the flat Earth. Um, so yeah, it is yeah, interesting yeah. It, to hear that, you know, you're, you, you got a whole different take on it. I feel bad. I feel bad for Richard Hoagland. I know he's coming to the end of his, his long and storied career. And he was supposed to debate me last year, and it is one of the few things that does not double tail into that flat Earth, which is the secret space program. The two mm-hmm. cannot exist simultaneously. And even if, and I know people say, well, because coast to coast, secret space program, totally real. If it was real, then we'd have even more pictures, because secret space program could take pictures just as easy. But, and then they just wouldn't, you know, then they could say, oh, no, Apollo took this, or Mercury took this, or Gemini took this. But there's no pictures, literally 43 years. And we knew this. It was confirmed because Obama did a speech on it. Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeted it. NASA tweeted it in, uh, two, two summers ago. And they said, oh, yeah, by the way, the second blue marble ever taken to space. It's like, what are you talking about? You guys have been sending probes out there supposedly for decades. You can't tell me that you went 43 years without taking a second picture of Earth. Uh, it's just, it's, um, they've, they've, they've drugged their heels for as long as they could, but unfortunately, the limited technology that has been allowed to the general public has started to catch up with them. Most notably, high-speed internet, social media, way better camera technology. Um, if you want something to prove, you, you want to get your uh, good jump start on how to prove the flat earth on the ground, Yeah. go f- Go get a camera. This is what most people, and this had nothing to do with the clues. People just came up with this on their own. Go to a beach and find an object that is off in the distance and take a picture of it, or a movie. It doesn't really matter. And then judge how much far it is, and then do the calculations for yourself. The curvature of the Earth, if you believe mainstream science, is 8 inches per mile squared, which means, not scary math, this is algebra, every mile times itself times 8 inches. So if it's two miles, it's two times two is four times eight is 32. Three times three is nine times eight is 72 inches, and so on and so on. It gets steeper and steeper because, remember, if it's a globe, it's got to eventually go vertical. And we found that you can look at objects that are, I don't know, 100, 150 miles away, and you can see them. The, the camera technology has gotten so much better. Uh, the cheapest one out there is probably the, the Nikon P900 with 83 power zoom. You can bring ships. It's like, okay, ship goes over the horizon. You can't see it with your naked eye anymore. Crank up the zoom, there's the ship. 
you know, let the go, let it go. Crank it up again. You can bring it back in again. 40, 50, 70 miles with a boat right on the water. That's impossible if it's a globe. Impossible. Because once, as you know, once it goes over the other side of the hill, I don't care what you got. You could have the biggest telescope in the world. You shouldn't be able to bring that boat back into frame. And you always can to where now I put the challenge at to any scientist. I go, show me an object at 150 miles or less, because after all, you know, that, the, the atmosphere gets so thick, it's like looking through water, which is pretty much like we're, we're breathing anyway. That is the, go ahead. Well, is, as there, you're right. We don't have enough time to talk about all this stuff. We could do this for a long time. Is the elusive? I know. Is the illusion so much that when uh, we hear that people have sailed around uh, the planet or flew around the planet, do we just have such an illusion and, and everybody has such an illusion that they did that? Or how can you explain if someone said, oh, hey, yeah. I sailed oh, no, around or flew around the planet? That's easy, whether it be Magellan or somebody in a 777 taking a, a flight around the world. Uh, if, it, if the world is a dinner plate and the center is the North Pole, I, room, I move my finger around the dinner plate, you know, in a complete circle. I've technically gone around the dinner plate. Does that mean the dinner plate's a ball or a sphere? No. No, it doesn't. Uh, in fact, compasses work the same way. Uh, the magnetic north, north is still the center of the plate. Uh, all the instruments work pretty much the same way. The only one that's in question, of course, is the GPS, which was designed by the United States military DOD in the mid-90s. So, like the Matrix, the, the GPS system is going to tell you what it wants to tell you. And so it will turn those planes very, very slowly to the right or to the left, where you're going. But the distance is so great, no pilot would ever, ever notice it. So it, it's, we want to believe it because it's what we've been told. Again, you see the globe in your classroom, it's told, this is your home. Children don't believe in lies. They don't. Why, why would they? And, since, and, and don't feel bad. I know people are going, you know, it's like, no, I've never been punked. I, you cannot punk me. It's like, no, you were born into this. This is before you and your parents and your parents, oh, yeah. parents going yeah. back 20-something generations. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.